I would guesstimate that the largest percentage of my first 40 episodes were people between the ages of about 25 and 45. This episode is with Terry, who is a little bit north of that arc, to the point that our first discussion here is actually about retirement. She's retiring from a W-2 later this month, actually. And her and her husband are selling a house they've been in since 1987 in the Dallas suburbs. So we talk about that as well. My mom and dad actually moved out of the apartment I grew up in around early 2016, and they have been there since 1974. Terry wrote a cool piece on Medium about downshifting houses and the role of your adult children in that process. She's also a member of Just Be Social on Twitter. I've interviewed a bunch of them currently, including Brenda, Molly, Teresa, Angelica, etc. Fun little group. Okay, let's get into this episode. approaching it from an element of fear at first you know what am I going to do without a regular paycheck well how am I going to fill all these hours you know it's all just stuff that you're afraid of I don't want to feel old I don't want to be inactive you know and that kind of stuff but but it was such stress every day to get up and go into work grind away okay I can make it till lunch okay I made it to lunch I can make it till five okay I go home sit on the couch for three hours go to sleep get up and do it again you know and it was just like a constant grind of, of just grinding through the workday and not not enjoying it not feeling super productive just you know I, I got to the point where I felt like you know this just isn't working out anymore and so it took me several months to talk to my boss about it you know to work out the nerve to go in and say hey guess what dude we need an exit strategy here you know <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go and then when I did it was such a relief because he was super supportive his first idea was he was going to replace me and I would stay on uh, for the hiring process and, and train for a couple of months and, and then gradually go to part time and fade out midsummer. But then COVID happened and um, now I'm working from home part time, but we decided to go ahead. He's not going to replace me. He's going to take my duties and split them up my, amongst my coworkers, which sucks for them. You know, <laughs> my God, I've been on the other yeah. side of that a number of times. Hey, so yeah. he's sleeping. we're just going to take all his stuff and give it to you. You know, that's uh, never any fun. So uh, anyway, so now we're we're looking April 30th is my retirement date. We may not have my retirement party until June or July until we have, you know, can have gatherings again of, you know, 30 to 50 people at least, you know, something like that. So it's the COVID has kind of moved up the whole retirement process, right. but I feel really working from home has been great i feel really good about i i have activities that i'm i'm going to volunteer at a local animal shelter you know i, I want to pursue a part-time job in social media and i'm going to do some volunteer work for that i'm helping some friends do their social media you know so i'm i'm i think i'm going to be active enough that i don't have to worry about that fear right and uh, as as far you know I, I have saved for retirement i have a 401k i've been with the company for 23 years you know, I've been in the 401k for 20 of those years, so I've got retirement savings, so I don't totally fear that whole no paycheck thing. And plus, I want to get another job. I want to get a part-time job. Right. So, so it's not, know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a full-time yeah, okay. retirement, not a, not a complete across-the-board retirement, I guess, in some context. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I was coming from such a place of fear, and I don't feel that fear anymore. Now, I put a thing on my Facebook page that says, you know, I'm retiring in 2020. This is not going to be my problem anymore. 
and I got so many responses and, you know, former coworkers and all kinds of friends and family that are like, yay, finally, you've been working too long. When I went to my high school reunion last fall, it was my 50th and like 75% of them had been retired. Oh, and I really? Was still, yeah. And I was the one of the ones still working. We're all the same age, 68. And, but 75% of them had retired and there the few of us that were still working. It was like, you know, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> retirement's great. Get on it. <laughs> so, so what, what were they, what, those people that you were talking to, were they contextualizing retirement as like they still had a, like they had volunteer or part time? Yeah. Or is there anybody in yeah. full retirement? They did volunteer work or they, you know, or they, you know, had uh, part time or, or they were real active with their grandkids or, you know, that, you know, maybe some of them were actually were caregivers for their grandkids and stuff like that. So, they had activities going on. They weren't, nobody seemed to be sitting at home on the couch right. just eating bonbons or whatever. They all were, they all were, you know, I'm this in my garden, doing right. my, like, nonprofit I'm volunteering. Yeah. Right. So, once I heard that, so you would say, oh, November, and I'm thinking, I'm so stressed and, and grinding through work, you know, what the hell? Why am I doing this if I don't have to? Right. So, you would say, overall, even with all the uh, the date being in April is like it's a positive emotional deal for you, right? Yeah, I'm I'm super happy about it. I like, really am. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so let's let's shift to the uh, the kids' burden, packing up the house thing, and I'll cross link that medium post that you wrote when I post this. Okay. Um, so I think if I'm if I got the basic facts right, I think y'all moved into your house in like 86, 87, somewhere right. in there. All right. So give me some background on kind of like the process of moving into that house and then what happened across the, uh, you know, the intervening 30 something years. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My daughter was five. My son was 10 and she was about to start kindergarten and we wanted to, you know, this house has a very good school uh in the neighborhood and uh, my son was a gifted child and so was my daughter at a place that had a gifted and talented program and the school did and that's really one of the reasons why we looked in this neighborhood was that we wanted to it was the school system so she was five and uh that's you know i loved the house i thought it was gorgeous it was perfectly maintained these people I swear that the woman was a Stepford wife of some kind because, you know, she had every owner's manual for everything in the entire house. You know, everything was documented. Every There was a schedule that they set for everything that they did. We have been nowhere near as <laughs> as good as they have as far as home maintenance, yard maintenance, pool maintenance, all that kind of stuff. You know, we put in an above ground pool and we basically swim in it for five months of the year and, and let it go the other seven months, you know. Uh, so, which is most, I think that's most people in yeah. the Dallas suburbs, yeah. Yeah, so it, we're, at this point in our, you know, we we stayed here and stayed here and stayed here, and, and it's it's a very, it's 15 minutes from work, so it's real convenient to that. You know, it's just a centrally located, Carrollton's pretty, you know, nice area, and uh We've just stayed here, but more and more over the last four or five years, I feel like I want to get out of this house. I want to mm. get out of the home maintenance money pit type thing where every month it's something else. It's the dishwasher. It's the air conditioning. It's the plumbing. It's, you know, you just feel like there's constantly something that you're having to pay for. 
and let somebody else be responsible for that for a while. And we had about three years ago, uh, my son and his ex-wife both moved in with us, us with projects that we can't do. You know, if we had to replace a gate in our yard, that's a project that's really beyond my husband and I right now. But my son mm-hmm. did, and he, re- he went out, he bought the pickets, bought everything he needed, replaced the whole gate. So they, they've painted, they've done all kinds of different stuff inside the house to help us out. She moved out about a year ago uh, and, you know, went on her way. So she's in, she was in pharmacy school in Fort Worth and it was more convenient. You know, she actually commuted back and forth to, to uh, Southwestern there on, uh, you know, the building I'm talking about at seven. Yeah. 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 She was making that commute from there to Carrollton every day. Wow. And uh, so she moved out now and she lives in Fort Worth and, uh, but he's still with us. And when we sell our house, He'll have to take his dog, which we've had has been living with us for 10 years, uh, ever since his divorce, to an apartment, and he he will so we'll move to an apartment and he'll move to an apartment separately. Yeah, I had to write um I had to write an article for those White Rock locator people about how like the the profile of uh, renters in like yeah. most uh, most urban areas, but like DFW for sure, is like getting like older with a savings uh, portfolio as opposed to yeah. You know, for years I think we thought of like apartment renters as like twenty five year olds, right? And like yeah. every apartment that I've lived in in the past, I don't know, like ten years has been like a mix, right? Like my uh, neighbors at my last apartment, my right side neighbors were like early seventies. Oh wow! Um, and I've had a couple of those deals actually. So I think it's actually more and more common. And I feel like kind of the biggest thing you pointed to is just the idea of like not wanting to deal with the the cost of like home maintenance, home repair, or the yeah. physical side of it. You know, like have someone else deal with it. Um, do you think, um, I don't know, you don't have to get into like super specific numbers, but do you think like there's, there, you see fights online sometimes, like whether or not owning is a good decision. Yeah. Do you think like overall financially it was a good um, decision? You get get the tax breaks from owning, you know, right? that's certainly a, a, a good thing. You know, overall, you know, I think we bought our my dad was a custom home builder and so the first house that we bought was one that he took in on a trade on a deal and we lived there for like five years and uh, then we actually bought this house on our own so we got like a starter house you know through our connection with with my dad and uh and then we got this then this house for 33 years and we just you know jim's just like oh you know we talk about moving and we just didn't go to the trouble of making the effort to make it happen. Now we're going to make the effort to make it happen. We've had offers. We've had four offers without listing the house. And uh, mostly they just take the price on Zillow and offer it to you. And then they want to do an inspection and see what repairs are needed. And then they'll bring their offer down from there. So it's, uh, it's really been, and and a lot of them wanted us to move like right away, like April or May. We're like, like, no, we're looking September, October, you know, that's when we'd like to, I'd like to move somewhere and be in for, and be able to decorate for the holidays, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and all that kind of stuff. So, I, but I'm not, you know, I'm not really interested in moving out in in May one or anything. So, right. And What's they the... offer people, they all want it 60 days, you know, no more than 60 days. So we're going to go back to them in July, 
and I'm sure we did this last fall. We got an offer and, and we put it off. And we said, well, look at this again in the spring. And, and the same offers came back in the spring. In fact, some of them were better. So it's, I don't think it'd be a problem to put it off. And then July 1, actually start looking, you know, right. and go from there. But so the, what's, what's been like the, what's been like the emotional process of like starting to pack that home up or conceptualize packing it up? Or what would it, you say about that? It really has been, why are we keeping all this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> You'd open up a storage bin and go, you, you, by the time you finish sorting through it, you kept maybe a fourth to a fifth of what was in there, and everything else was either trash or donate, you know. We've taken, like I said, the car fulls to Goodwill. We've, we've uh, I put out water for the trash guys because I felt so bad about how much trash there's been the last few weeks, you know. It's just... It, it, looking at it, I, I tell we had a real for now philosophy where we'd say, okay, I'll put this here for now, and then never came back to it. So when I went through my husband's tools, there's fishing lures, and there's, you know, all kinds of things that have nothing to do with tools in there. <laughs> and and yet, you go through the fishing lures, and there's tools in there. So there's like, obviously, you just threw something, okay, I'll put this here for now, and never sorted through it. So really, it's been a positive thing of going through it and going, why the hell are we keeping all this stuff? We don't need it. And also, I think you have to realize what your expectations are as far as your kids and what of yours they're going to want. You know, I have a Gen X son and a millennial daughter, and, you know, they could care less about grandma's good china, you know. Right, 100%. I've held on to it for for 35 years, but they, you know, they're not going to want it. And so I've got to decide, do I want to sell it? Do I want to, you know, do I want to give it to another family member that maybe would appreciate it or something? But. You have to have good expectations as to what they want. And basically what they both told me, my daughter and my son, is we don't want anything. You know, <laughs> we've got we've got enough stuff and, you know, we don't need stuff. I mean, when I was younger, when my grandmother, my, my grandparents passed away and, and I got the chance to take a, uh, a set of eight chairs with needlepoint seat cushions from my grandmother. And I'm like, oh, I got to do that. And they sat in the attic for 30 years, you know, before I finally decided. You know, we're never going to use those chairs with the needlepoint seat cushions. Let me save one of the little seat cushions, you know, just so I can have it as a memory and get rid of all the rest of it. So it's been like that. You know, all these finds that are in the blog that I talk about, it's been really cool to rediscover some of these things and, and some pieces of my, you know, past, my authentic self, I guess you could say. It's been cool to go through and, and find, oh, look, you know, here's my collection of 45s you know i had no idea i still had any 45s at all oh really yeah, I my, did. my mom know. is like my mom is probably like six, seven years older than you and she uh-huh. has um she has a bunch of 45 so that's pretty funny yeah uh what um so do you think when you're on the apartment side of living do you guys think that you'll be like more minimalist spartan whatever do you think you'll still buy a bunch of shit that you don't necessarily need we really for a long time we've had the policy of if you if you buy one you get rid of one so if you buy a new t-shirt you know donate or trash an old t-shirt if you buy a new coffee mug you know get rid of one you know we try and always uh you know buy one get rid of something so that you're not you're not adding to, you're just replacing or upgrading or whatever. And I think, you know, we're looking at, at a possible one-bedroom apartment, you know, I think we wouldn't really use a dining room in an apartment. We'd use like a, a use it for like an office space. I think we could, could use a one-bedroom as long as it's spacious enough. And uh, so if you're in a space like that, 
you gotta edit down your stuff to you know just the essentials and and uh and not you know and that's why going through all these bins and and being able to take all this stuff and put it in a storage space and say okay here's all my christmas stuff i don't need to look at this until christmas you know that's it's really i think a good thing it's been now, therapeutic would you say as like the would you say as a mom of like an ex-millennial kind of what you were talking about just now do you think that that's one of the biggest differences generationally that maybe we don't talk about is that they don't there's just like they don't want some of that shit whereas yeah when your grandparents were getting older you might have wanted some of that stuff and now like your daughter might like not have interest in it do you feel exactly. like that's a bigger like generational divide i feel like we don't talk about that stuff as much that like especially millennial women there's like a lot of stuff that like could become theirs that they don't they're like oh man i have my own aesthetic i have my own yeah approach to minimalism do you think that that's kind of accurate from your experience I, I really do and you know when we were when we were first starting out we accepted stuff from everybody when jim and i were first married you know if somebody had a couch we'd go look at it you know and, right and we would you know when you were first setting up you know we had an apartment to start and then uh when our son was one, we bought our first house. So, um, and then, then you realize you have a whole house to furnish, you know, and you were used to a small apartment. Now you got to fill a house up. And so at first, at, at when we were 25 to 30 in that range, we wanted stuff, you know, we needed stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but my daughter, she's 38, you know, she has a home and uh, it's, she, her attic is, and her whole storage space is basically filled. She's got, you know, enough stuff now she's gonna have to take some things from us like we were saving her homecoming moms from my school yeah. <laughs> she's gonna have to look <laughs> at that stuff and go do i want to keep this still or not you know those are huge boxes so uh but i think for them they you know my son had a a a, a, a big place he's got you know there's so much stuff that's out in the garage and that's you know that's his stuff that he because he's been living in one room in our house he hadn't even had access to it's all still stored so he, I think, feels the same way. He's got enough stuff. He doesn't need our stuff. And certainly things like I have a vintage rolling pin collection. They're not interested in that. <laughs> they don't have, they're never going to want to have that, you know. How but did I, you, I, how I, did you even get into that? Where did that come from? I, 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 I like making pies uh -huh. and you, you need rolling pins for pies. And so I just started collecting them. And the next thing you know, it's like any collection. Once you announce to your family that you collect something, you know, then they give it to you over and over again. You know, like my mom collected owls and she got owls for birthdays and Christmas and Mother Day. And, you know, <laughs> as long as we knew she collected owls, it was an easy gift to give her. We knew she'd like it. So. Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend's grandmother, uh, who I want to say early 2019, it might have been late 2018, she passed away. But she collected oh. owls, too, man. And it was like I had to go help with, like, dealing with her house which was in i want to say like waxahachie and oh, wow. um it was like man there were so many owls to your point right yeah. i was just like oh man <laughs> that's a lot of owls if you get an owl cookie cutter you have an owl salt and pepper shaker you have an owl statue i mean paintings you know you get to where yeah, you have for sure and the thing is so, I, you know for my kids i i don't want to be a burden on them i've always wanted to help them and help them succeed and and i've had to clean out and when my dad died in 2018 he was in an alzheimer's unit one bedroom 
and we had to clean it out. And it's still, it was a little bit of a burden to go through and say, okay, who wants this painting that hung on the wall of dad's office for 30 years? And, you know, let's throw out his old toothpaste. And there's that whole burden of going through somebody's stuff after they passed away and, and having to sort through it, the easier you can make that process on the loved ones, the better off you're going to be because it's, it's going to be a burden no matter what, you know, you're grieving and everything else, but you want to not have them go through box after box after box of stuff that's just trash. Yeah. You see, uh, um, I'm an only child and like both my parents are alive, but I think about that stuff sometimes, uh-huh. but it's actually funny cause I have friends that their moms, um, who would be like the grandparents to their kids, obviously they'll uh-huh. tell them like, okay, a justification for having two to three kids or whatever is that uh, whenever you pass away, it's like, okay, it's easier for two people to deal with this process we're discussing than one person. Right. Yeah. So obviously the whole siblings thing, and there's like a lot of arguments for it. Right. But um, I agree with that as an only child. I, that's like something that I think about slash like yeah. I have a degree of fear about it, too, where I'm just like, oh, man, I don't want to deal you. with that shit. Right. And it's like, who else could it be? Right. You know, yeah. so see, I'm the oldest of six kids. Oh, really? When, when my mom passed, you know, it was a big thing about going through and, and making sure that you shared everything out to all six of us fairly, you know. That, okay, here's this thing that mom had. Okay, who wants this part, that part, and the other part, you know, and just trying to make sure that everybody got an even share. You know, if you're looking at mom's jewelry, you know, <laughs> somebody gets this ring and somebody gets those earrings and somebody gets that necklace and you just, it's still, no matter how many people are involved, it's still a process that's, that can be burdensome. Right. So then uh, let me ask you this to Do you think, Okay, so let's say your daughter, I assume she's younger, right? So she's 38. Do you think that, uh, do you think that, because I guess I'm 39, so I'm right in that range. Do you think that a current, um, do you think that a current 38-year-old will be able to have, like, the conventional retirement that we've thought of? Or do you feel like in 30, 40 years that will change or evolve? I don't think so. I think the baby boomers have been very lucky that Social Security is still around and still functioning. I'm I'm super worried that by the time my kids get to retirement age, it won't be there. And so what that means is that they need to be saving now, you know, and especially once they turn, you know, 45, 50, that's when you really need to kick in the, the savings for retirement. And of course, you know, like my daughter has two kids, one's uh, almost 12, one's nine. So they will have college coming up and, you know, six years or whatever. And, right. and so that's the other problem is when you're saving for retirement, you're also saving for other stuff. You know, you want to save for college, you want to save for vacations, you want to save for, so, but I think it's really important that you use the time and the ability to compound interest. You know, time is your friend there. You know, if you're our age, you know, we don't have any more time for interest to compound and help us out really. You know, that's kind of, gone by the roadside and I think by the time the millennials and the, and the gen xers get to retirement it's going to be a whole different look and feel it's, it's not going to be pensions and 401ks and and social security it's going to be something different yeah um okay so uh last question I was going to ask you because I've never well I think I've interviewed one person in their 60s most of them have been like 30s 40s recently yeah so and I'm 68 
let's say even since like 60, okay, so 89 years, what do you think, like, what do you think the biggest thing, like, just within that decade, almost decade, what do you think the biggest thing you've taken away or, like, realization you've had, right? So your kids were, like, probably turning 30s, mid-30s, like, you were in the same house, same job. Is there anything that you feel like maybe north of 55, 60, like, becomes more clear or, like, clicks for you more? I wish there was, like, a a wisdom thing that, that just clicks in. And, and unfortunately you still make stupid mistakes in your sixties, just like you did in your twenties, you know, uh, you're not automatically wise. I, you know, for me, I I think growing old, most of it sucks (laughs) except for grandkids. Grandkids are awesome. And, uh, I think you have to have a positive attitude about what you can do. And, uh, you know, you do have more limitations as you get older. There's no doubt about it. You know, it seems like your bedtime gets earlier and, (laughs) You just don't do as much as you used to. I, I traveled in my 50s extensively, and in the in the next decade of my 60s, I haven't done nearly as much traveling as I did in my 50s. So I think, um, but I, ha- I think you just have to have a positive attitude about it. You know, you you're lucky, you're alive, you know, you're blessed in so many ways, and and you just gotta to uh, take on old age the best you can. <laughs> Thank you.